0: Welcome back to NPR. My name is Ainsley Warden, and I am happy to introduce a new podcast coming to the air called Musical Time Machine. This will be the first episode, only a couple minutes long, going over what we will be talking about in the Musical Time Machine. Being a Musical Time Machine, we will focus on each era of music, medieval, renaissance, baroque classical, romantic, and 20th century. Each era has information about the politics and society so you can understand why the music sounds the way it does. Along with that, there will be famous pieces played by whomever the popular composer was during that time. A slight dissection of that 10 second introduction of the music will follow. Instruments used during that time period will also be listed. Knowing how music has grown and formed is an important way to understand how we have so many instruments and genres today. I'm very excited to start sharing the information behind the eras of music, and I am so happy that you will be along for the journey. I hope you enjoy our podcast. Our first episode will be on the medieval era, and will air in two days. Thank you so much, and uh, please enjoy your regularly scheduled program. Welcome back to NPR This segment is the Musical Time Machine. I'm your host, Ainsley Warden, and let's dive in. Our first episode is going to be the medieval era. The medieval period dated from 476 A.D. the fall of the Roman Empire, to the 14th century, where the Renaissance begins. The music was all about the church and most of the surviving pieces were liturgical music. Most of this music was single voice, though when other voices were added, they were only parallel to the main voice. There were not many instruments, so it was mostly vocal music. Musical notation was not yet invented, so there was no way to write rhythm and pitch. During this time, monarchs were the only government. It was a very busy time historically with the Crusades, Magna Carta, Black Death, and the One Hundred Years' War taking place. With so much death and change to society, music was not important. Many artists of all professions were poor and overlooked. It was not a job that would create a living. If an artist were lucky, the king and queen would request them to play for a gathering. Many pieces of music were destroyed by not being taken care of, and the effects of time there are not many known pieces of work or composers so society viewed music as unimportant steps were not taken to preserve the music i do have a fun fact for you guys listening instead of saying forte which now means uh, loud uh and pi- piano which means soft they would say oat for loud spelled h-a-u-t and bass for soft, which I think is a little ironic since bass now means loud, um, but there's your fun fact of the day. Now getting into the musical aspect of Musical Time Machine, some composers that we do know of are Peritinus, also known as Periton Magnus, Hildegard von Biggen, and our final one is Gilm de Markta. Pertin was considered a temporary artist, a contemporary artist of the time who studied at Notre Dame. He is known for Salvatorius Hodia. Von Biggen was a female artist who made chants for the Catholic Church. Makat was a poet who wrote about love and loss. He composed a sacred piece called Massa di Notre Dame. Some instruments that were around were the flute, bagpipes. Pipe and tabor, flute, trumpet, lute, harp, and viola. The music that was played was nothing like we have today. I will be paying a couple pieces for you. Our first piece is going to be by Machut, and this is the Masai de Notre-Dame. you can hear there is not much added to the melodies. It is one single voice with the voices around it. The next piece is from Hildred von Biggen. done in many of the Catholic Church, you could say that this was a type of choir back in the medieval times. The last piece I will be playing for you is from Portonin, and that is the salvatorius Hoodie. <laughs> you can hear that piece was very one voiced you could hear that one voice and the other voices were just in the background not adding to the music but supporting the first voice as you can see the medieval times had lots of going on so the people could not concern themselves with the unnecessariness of music now it is important to remember that this is just the beginning of music and now today we have very complex pieces of work but music will soon convey a sort of emotion and stories behind it and that is what makes music so incredible I hope you enjoyed our first podcast, um, our first episode, sorry, in the musical time machine. Our next episode will be on the Renaissance, and I hope you will tune in to hear that. Have a great day, and I hope you enjoy the rest of NPR. Welcome back to NPR. This segment is titled Musical Time Machine where we look into the six different eras of music. I'm your host, Ainsley Warden, and let's dive in. This episode is all about the Renaissance. Now, if you're listening, you might not know much about the Renaissance era. There are a couple names you might recognize, like William Shakespeare, Leonardo da Vinci, Nicholas Copernicus, Michelangelo, or even Galileo. But those are not the only people that had a major effect on the Renaissance. This period was a major change in society and politics. In French, Renaissance means rebirth, which is what happened to Europe. Originally, the Renaissance started in Spain, where just a simple change to an oil painting made this entire era. The change And art began in painting, where many artists began to gather perspective in their oil paintings. This was not seen, which was more abstract and not really an outlook on the world. The artwork became more realistic in a sense. Society became more educated and literate. Latin and vernacular literature was incorporated into the language. People wanted to be educated. People wanted. To learn, In politics, diplomacy began to develop, giving people the right to be in the government. This is a complete change from how it was before, only having a monarch rule over. The church also began to not have as many supporters. It started separating from the government, making people able to become more invested in the sciences and the math. Another thing that was noted was that people weren't just Christian anymore, they began to learn about other religions and practice those. Now that you have some background on the Renaissance, this whole episode is about the musical aspect. It's important to note that the arts became more needed in society, artists were more accepted and were sought after. People wanted to have art in their homes, they wanted to go out and listen to music, they wanted to go and see the plays. Before it was not common for people to go out and want to view this type of work, but during the Renaissance people became more interested in the arts. Some examples of musicians were Jacob, also known as Jacques Aquadel, his famous work being Salvagina A5. Jacquin de Prez wrote sacred and secular music but focused on motets the most. The last example I have is Thomas Louise de Victoria, known for his 37 pieces in Ophikidum Hotomadi Sancti. Some instruments that were used during the Renaissance, where flutes, reeds, horns, tambourine, kettle drums, violin, oboe, trumpet, trombone, guitar, and cello. Out of those instruments, the flute, oboe, trumpet, trombone, and guitar have origins in the Renaissance. This is due to the fact that people were now more interested in music, so they were getting commissions to make these instruments. These instruments added to the growing idea that music should be expressive. Most of the music that you'll hear from the Renaissance era is very fortissimo. People wanted to be immersed in the experience of music. A lot of it is not quiet. You won't hear a pianissimo sound. But the music was not high-pitched. It was low-pitched. It, it had this strong bass to it. Everything was written out in very, very meticulous musical notation. I would like to take the time and play a couple famous pieces that were written during the Renaissance. The first piece I will be playing for you is Misa Lamassupe Volge Musicales. The next piece I will be playing for you is Sabbath Matter. In this piece, you can really hear the violin coming out. It is high-pitched and has vocals thrown into it making it a new type of music, uh, this is why the renaissance was so important. The next piece will be spem Analium, which translated is hope and another. As you can hear, the pieces are high-pitched and have a large amount of motion behind them. The final piece I will be playing for you is Misa Eterna Christi Mernena. Translated means Mass Gifts of Eternity. is quite incredible when listening to it that the vocals are able to hit high to low, low to high. The scale that you hear in all of the songs I played for you is very diverse, and I hope you enjoyed listening to those segments of each uh, type of music. Now, you might be Wondering why everything was fortissimo and this is due to the expression that people were going through having such a large change on society means that people needed to find a way to express themselves and The best way was through music The arts have never been used for expression. They've only been used for Showing a black and white picture that was very simple. There were no emotions behind the artwork and now the emotions are starting to come through, which is a very big deal since now in the 20th century, you start to see that in every single artwork. The artist is able to express themselves, but before in the Renaissance era, um, this was only just developing. And you can also look at the pieces that were created, uh, the instruments that were created were have carried on to... Music nowadays. The guitar is very common, um, and the guitar even went on to developing a new genre out of classical music like rock and roll. That is all I have for you today. Thank you for tuning in to Musical Time Machine by NPR, and I hope that you will join us again uh, next Tuesday to listen to the uh, new episode that focuses on a- another era of music. Have a great day. Well Welcome back to NPR. This segment is titled Musical Time Machine. I'm your host, Ainsley Warden, and we're going to look over the Baroque period in this episode. You may not know what the Baroque era of art is all about. This isn't talking about a set of historical facts. It's talking about this type of art. The art became really detailed and elaborate. This is not just talking about paintings, but also music. Uh, It dated from the 17th to the 18th century and started in Rome and Italy and then spread to the rest of Europe. During this time, the reformation and the counter-reformation were going on, including the 30 years war. This was noted to be one of the bloodiest wars of all time. At this moment, the Protestants were fighting for their freedom and their rights. After everyone became literate and understood that they did have rights, they began to fight against the Catholic Church and the government. At this point, or by the end of this era, we didn't see as many monarchs as we used to. Now looking at the arts again, it is seen that the development of Baroque art was from the Catholic church, whom decided that the art should communicate religious themes and direct emotion. If you'd like to, you can pull out your phones and look up what the paintings looked like and I guarantee you will have a very, very large understanding of what I mean by religious themes. The paintings are representing what many historians believe to be what is happening around them, and the paintings have images of angels and gods looking down upon them, almost wondering why they are doing what they are doing. The paintings themselves are very dramatic and quite frankly, a little over the top as people are slicing each other's heads off, piling on top of each other to get to the heavens. Um, Overall, it is a very bloody and dramatic scene in front of you. Now that you have a little bit of background information, let's focus on the music. Our first composer was Johann Sebastian Bach he was a master on the keyboard, playing the organ and the harpist chord. One of his famous pieces was a Brandenburg Concerto number no. 3. Another composer was Antonio Vialdi. He is believed to have created the idea of Ritadello, where a theme returns throughout the piece. One of his famous pieces was The Four Seasons. The last example, there are, there are many more composers, is Henry Purcell. One of his famous pieces was the Fairy Queen. Some instruments that were used during this period and are found in many pieces of Baroque period music were the harpsichord, chord, pipe organ, oboe, the pianoforte, lute, Baroque guitar, and the tapani. All of these instruments create a dramatic and religious aspect in music. They have a wide range of low to high pitch, and are used in many pieces, though the only percussion instrument that is seen throughout all Baroque pieces is the timpani, which is quite interesting since you would expect since it's so dramatic they would use percussion instruments, but many of the composers did not like the harsh sounds that percussion instruments would create. I am now going to play three pieces of the work, which I have already mentioned. My first piece I will be playing Is Brandenburg Concerto number three, which was by uh, Mr. Blatch? With the fast tempo, this music took a wide, wide, wide effect on many of the listeners at the time. It was dramatic, but not too dramatic and had much flair and the composing was incredible. Next, I will be playing Winter from Antonio Vialdi's The Four Seasons. sound with the high pitch, it also builds suspense in the beginning, this making it another piece of baroque music. The final piece I will be playing for you is Henry Purcell's The Fairy Queen. You will have to know that I am only playing around 10 seconds of each piece, and this piece of music is to be telling a story. So if you do enjoy it, I do recommend listening to the entire thing. Almost like folk music, it has a high pitch and is very upbeat. This is what intrigued people to listen to the entire thing and find out what the story was about. You do have to remember that this time was all about dramatic and emotion and just an overall extraness. There was intricate details thrown into the pieces of music, into the paintings, into art in general, but during this time it was very bloody. It, it was a very dark time for most of Europe and the fact that we get such amazing music is very 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 amazing and you do have to remember that the pieces of music i showed you the the art was influenced by the church now these pieces of music were not played inside of a church though the instruments used for that music i have showed you were played inside of a church with the organ, the violin, everything was very, very church-like. So, I'm glad you tuned in to Musical Time Machine, and I hope you will tune in again for the classical episode. Have a great day, and this is NPR. Welcome back to NPR. This segment is called Musical Time Machine. I'm your host, Ainsley Warden, and let's get started. The next era of music that we will be covering is the Classical Era. This is by far my favorite era of music, and I'm so happy to be sharing it with you today. The Classical Era dated from 1750 to 1825. Some names that you might remember are Newton, Mozart, and Beethoven. And during this time, the monarch had less control in the government. This is due to what happened in the Baroque period, which was the many fights that happened involving the lower classes and them wanting to speak their mind the monarchs started to become more of figureheads while a parliament or a group of elected men would make the decisions wars were breaking out across the world where people wanted to have a voice examples are the american revolutionary war which was from 1775 to 1783 and the french revolution which was from 1785 to 1815. most of europe started to change their architecture literature and the art to a more classical ideals, hence the name classical era. Many artists wanted to conserve the art style of classical Greece and the antiquity of it. Everything becomes more crisp and cleaner. In addition, sizing of the orchestras became much larger, um, which was why we have a large uh, orchestra today. The music became layered with melodies coming from multiple instruments. This made the music more audible and fuller. With such change in the social and government structures, people wanted something to not change, so music went back in time, though there are notable growth involving musical notation, multiple instruments from different groups, and complex melodies. It was also important to note that after having almost what seems like a complete freedom of composing from the Baroque era, the Classical era put rules and regulations on the type of music acceptable. Our first composer is Franz Joseph Haydn. He had a steady job with the Royal Esterhazy family and was nicknamed the Father of the Symphony or the Father of the String Quartet. One of his famous pieces, There are 160 options that are all amazing, was String Quartet Opera 64. Next, we have the young Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. His music style is like that of Hyde's, but was more showy. And many critics would say that he would have too many notes. He started his career at age 5 and died at age 35 he wrote 600 compositions but one example is symphony number no. 41 in k in sorry my bad symphony number no. 41 in c k 551 jupiter our last composer is ludwig van beethoven he is seen as the bridge from classical era to romantic era where his music began to break the mould and it rules by adding emotion to it. Unlike Haydn and Mozart, he only wrote nine symphonies, all quite amazing, but his famous one was symphony number no. nine. Some instruments used during this time were violins, viola, double basses, flutes, oboes, clarinets, bassoons, horns, trumpets, timpani, and the piano. I will now play some excerpts from each of the examples of famous pieces i have shared the first one will be hayes string quartet um here you go Here, the sound is much different from what I've played for you before, especially compared to the Baroque, there is more definition, and the sound is much more crisp. Next, I will be playing Mozart's Symphony Number 41. Mozart was definitely more showy than Haynes, but uh, you can hear the, again, the crisp sound, and it has been much more formal, and there seem to be more rules to it compared to previous music I've played. The last one I will be playing is Beethoven's Symphony No. 9. As you can hear from this one, it has more emotion compared to the last two that I played. It is also more instruments and it is a much faster tempo. Overall, it is basically showing what the romantic period of music will start to sound like. Like I said before, the classical era is by far my favorite favorite era of music and i hope that you enjoy as much as i do this time was a great source of musical growth and created many pieces that are loved by many today including me (laughs) so that is all for the episode on the classical era this is npr and the segment was the Musical Time Machine. I hope you join us for the next episode, Romantic Period, and we will only have one more after that, the 20th Century. I hope you have a great day and enjoy the rest of NPR. Welcome back to NPR. This segment is labeled Musical Time Machine. I'm your host, Ainsley Warden, and let's dive in. This episode is all about the Romantic Era of Music. Um, and no, Romeo and Juliet are not in part of the Romantic Era. The Romantic Era of music dates from 1825 to uh, the hundreds. During this time, the American Civil War happens, countries fight for independence, the photograph becomes possible. I know all the girls out there that like taking selfies would be very happy about this. Light is developed meaning they are literally not in darkness anymore, and events for World War I are in place for the next um, century. Society becomes more open with ideas moving freely. Uh, monarchs are almost non-existent, and if they are existent, then they are more likely to just be figureheads while the uh, parliament or a legislator... Or some type of group is making the laws. Uh, Music starts to have a lot of emotion behind it, um, with a bigger range of dynamics and pitch, which is what we know today as our dynamics and pitch. Um, Instead of music about the church, like the Baroque era, there was more nationalism. Uh, Basically, the music just replaced the church aspect with nationalism. The strings and the woodwinds were now almost always played together, which is really cool. Some examples of musicians are Frederick Chopin, Frandi Mendelssohn Hansel, and Franz Liszt. Franz Joseph Liszt, my bad. Uh, Chopin composed many songs for waltzes and sonatas that include themes of nationalism one of his famous pieces was waltz in d flat major hensel would publish many of her romantic songs under her brother's name felix mendelssohn due to the sexist attitudes at the time one of her famous pieces is easter sonata Blitz, arguably the best piano players of all time, was known for his dramatic gestures, intense facial expressions, and adding his own style to his pieces. One of his famous pieces of work was the Hungarian Rhapsodies. Some of the most used instruments of the time were the piano woodwinds, which was a new development due to the Industrial Revolution. Not that woodwinds weren't around, but they were more commonly used in the orchestras, due to the high, um, ability to produce them. Uh, percussion, and there were percussion instruments, but now they were being used more, which allowed for the, um, the changing dynamics. Uh, and allowed everything to be louder. Brass instruments and strings. The, um, now I'm going to play for you the pieces that I have mentioned. The first, uh music I will play for you is by uh, Chopton, and it's his waltz in D-flat major. Mm -hmm. There is more um, motion behind this than the other songs that I have played for you previously. The next one will be... Fanny Mendelssohn's Easter Sonata. This is definitely one of the more faster tempoed songs of the time, but again there's more emotion behind it and an overall higher pitch. The last one I will be playing for you is Litz Hungarian Rhapsodies. do tell a story, so that was only just a small segment of it. Um, The storytelling with music was definitely common. Uh, It is definitely one of the things that set uh, this, instead of having it just tell a story, there was emotion behind the story. Though the Romantic era did not have many new developments in music, it did set up major growth for the 20th century. People still followed the strict rules of the classical Era music did become did not become music did become more complicated and created dynamics and pitch as we know it today. I'm so happy to give you the Romantic era of music, and we only have one more episode left with the 20th century on this podcast. Um, I'm gl- really glad you tuned in today, and I hope you tune in next week for the last episode of Musical Time Machine. This is NPR, and I'm your host, Ainsley Ward, and enjoy the rest of what NPR has to offer. Welcome Welcome back to NPR. This segment is titled Musical Time Machine, I'm your host, Ainsley Warden, and let's dive in. Now, I know most of you listening probably know a lot about the 20th century, but we are focusing on the music aspect of the 20th century. It is important to know that the 20th century is very, very large. The recordings and musicians were more commonly accepted, and the recordings were saved so there are a lot of musicians out there. I am not physically able to cover every single one, but I am covering three artists. I'm actually covering two artists in one band, and if you would like to know more about the 20th century music, please go and look it up yourself, but I do hope that this does get you may be interested to go and do that. Now the 20th century era of music dates from the 20th century to the 21st century. Some known names from the 20th century are Albert Einstein, um, Winston Churchill, and Princess Diana. Now there are many more, those are just a couple. During this time, musicians started to break away from the rules and the similar sounds from the previous eras. Classical music music began to branch off into lots of different sub-movements, which in ends created genres. This time was great for inventions like the internet. The internet allowed people to listen to music using some type of ported device. It did start with radio, and then it began to go into cell phones. So over the time span of the 20th century, the devices became more compact. Music was now shared across the world. So someone in Asia could listen to American music, and someone in America could listen to Latin music, which was not heard of before. With the invention of the internet, the use of electronic instruments became more used in songs and in orchestras. Musicians started to add no instrumental sound into songs. What I mean by this is it was electronically created, so it was not uh, a guitar or a piano. It was something created by a computer. The creation of Auto-Tune also allowed singers to achieve the perfect sound even if their voice was off. During the 20th century, it was also very busy, like the medieval era. Some events that took place are the Spanish flu pandemic, World War I and World War II, nuclear weapons, nuclear power and space exploration, nationalism and decolonization, technical advances, and the Cold War and post-Cold War conflicts. Society was changing too, with war and people moving to different countries to escape said war. Politics affecting every decision made, everything and everything anything and everything, (laughs) being on the internet, civil rights for women and people of color, education becoming mandatory for children under 18, and the overall, overall sharing of different cultures that reduced some segregation, there was no, I mean, no line between cultures anymore. You could be whatever, whomever, it did not matter in the 20th century. Due to such wide changes, it is only reasonable that music would also go through changes. The demand for music skyrocketed when the internet allowed music to be played anywhere instead of at a concert hall. Music became more accessible to people that may not have had the privilege of going and being able to pay to go to a concert hall. People began to share their outlook on society and their music. Percussion instruments began to be used more frequently in songs. There's so much more it is hard to cover, and I will repeat what I stated in the beginning of the episode. Due to the wide amount of new music types, this episode will only cover the top three composers. Like I said, it will be two singers in one band, like every episode, okay? Okay. That does not mean that every new genre will be covered. This is when the creation of genres, you have anything from rock and roll, to pop, to rap, to R&B, to blues, to electronic. I mean, there is so much, I cannot cover everything. This will also mean that lots of interesting facts will be missed, which I do encourage you to look up after this episode. Now, let's get started with our first musician. It was, our first musician is going to be Frank Sinatra. He was in the genre of jazz, swing, traditional pop, and easy listening. Sinatra was in the music business during the 1930s and was a vocal singer. One of his famous songs was Fly Me to the Moon. The next singer is Elvis Presley. He was in the genre of rock and country rock. He was making music during the 1950s and was also a vocalist. One of his famous songs was Suspicious Minds. The last example is a band called The Beatles. They were in the genre psychedelic rock and blues. They were performing during the 1960s and instruments used were the rhythm guitar, bass guitar, lead guitar, and drums, including vocals. One of their famous songs was A Hard Day's Night. Their famous album is Abbey Road and Many people do go to Europe and take pictures on the famous um, famous road. Uh, so instruments that were commonly used were strings, woodwinds, brass, percussions, piano, electric guitar, electric, electric keyboard, and vocals. Now, I will play for you Fly Me to the Moon, Suspicious Minds, and the Beatles song A Hard Day's Night. Again, I encourage you to look up other songs. These singers and songwriters and musicians were from different era or different time periods within this uh, era. So there's so much more to cover, and I beg you, please look up more because it's very interesting. The first song I will be playing for you is Fly Me to the Moon by Frank Sinatra. Sinatra was known for his amazing voice and love songs that he created and is still appreciated throughout time and will never be forgotten. The next song I will play for you is Elvis Presley's Suspicious Minds. me to the moon this is rock and roll well or just rock while well, fly me to the moon is jazz there are complete differences and this really shows that the 20th century there was freedom among all musicians the last song that i will be playing for you is the beatles a hard day's night you can see, the music becomes a little bit more happy, though the songs themselves have different meanings behind them. Um, to wrap up this episode, I just want to remind you that there is much more than what I have showed you today, what I've told you, um, so please look up, if you're interested, about the 20th century of music music has changed so much that sometimes it is hard to imagine where it came from. Though the 20th century had hands down the most growth it's still possible to grow even more and that's how I would like to finish off our podcast on Musical Time Machine. I hope you enjoyed learning about the eras of music and how it's changed and the different types of music and maybe you found something that you haven't learned or you found something interesting or a type of music that you enjoyed but i'm really happy i got to share this information for you and uh this is ainsley warden with our last episode on the musical time machine i hope you enjoy the rest of what npr has have a nice night